three that I want to touch on this morning are, are busyness, boredom, and, uh, and false feelings or false expectations. Busyness, boredom, false feelings or expectations. And busyness, uh, I think we can, we can probably divide, I think we could divide busyness into we are either occupied or we're preoccupied. I think there's a conversation that we could have and maybe will have one down the line about, about worry. And Jesus addresses that in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 about how we're so inclined to worry. He's, he's inviting us not to. <laughs> and I know that's easier said than done, but he's inviting us not to. He's saying, don't do that. Don't worry about, about where your next meal is coming from. Don't worry about the clothes that you have to wear. What you need, more than all everything else, is, is to seek first the kingdom. More than anything else, that you would seek first his kingdom. That, that word seek is, is a, it's, it's getting to the bottom of it to inquire in such a way that you're going to get to the bottom. But we are, and I think that possibly now more than, more than, more than ever, we are, we are consumed by the what ifs. And the temptation maybe this morning is to get political. I'm not going to do that. But in, in, in the time that we're living in at the minute, like I'm sure many of us have asked the question as we've watched what's going on in our news, ask what if, what next? We become so preoccupied. Our minds become so preoccupied. And Jesus is, Jesus is saying, don't. Don't do that. Don't follow that same pattern. Just come away. Come away and seek first the kingdom. If I'm being really honest, I, uh, when, it comes this, when it comes to this, this struggle of busyness, I, I, become, aware, I become aware recently that, that it's not that this... This call to prayer, this this emphasis on passionate, persevering prayer, is is not easy because we're greedy for experience. I am anyway, greedy for experience. I'm greedy for experience. I'm I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting for for a moment when the penny drops or when something clicks or when something happens to know that my, my that there's been breakthrough. To know something to happen, to know that my prayer has been heard, a feeling to take place so deep in deep in me, I'm just longing for that experience. And I become you almost allow the busyness, you almost allow your busyness to to take you away from those moments of waiting. You allow the busyness to take you away because because I think what happens is that our natural craving is for something to happen. Our natural craving is for experience. And I think something within us begins to protest when nothing happens. Something begin, within us begins to protest. I need to, I need to go on about my day. I need to get changed and ready to go. I need to make the dinner. I need to, I need to watch this show. It's starting at nine o'clock and nothing's happened. And, and something, something within us, I think it's these natural cravings for experience and, and, and uh, and I hope there's someone in the room that can relate because there's something within us, I think, protests, begins to protest when we feel starved of experience. We, and we, use, we use busyness. We use the excuse that, that, we're, that we're too busy to wait any longer. 
we're too busy to lean in a bit further. I, I want to probably want to be careful how how I communicate this, but I I often find myself in 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 rooms with other church leaders. One of the things that that is that that has begun to grate. One of the things that has be that has begun to to rile me up. I think it's becoming a bit of a pet peeve of mine. Is that whenever we talk about what's going on within our lives, what's going on within our churches, within our organisations, that somehow the busier we are, the the more successful we think we are. That 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 busyness has become a compliment to people. That we will walk up to people in the room. I'm sure you're incredibly busy, and we all, we almost are. We almost mean that as a compliment. We almost it's almost as badge to be worn. The busyness becomes the goal because we've 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 convinced ourselves. We've bought into. I think we've been deceived. We've been tricked to think that the busier you are, the more successful you are. You're being. I'm, I want to be careful because I know that. But there's times where people are, are busy and it's because of, it is because of fruitfulness. It is because of, of favor and all of that. And so that's why I want to be cautious. But if you're too busy to pray, if you're too busy for relationships, then you're too busy. And part of me, I, I, and part of me maybe is exaggerating it. Is maybe exaggerating the point a wee bit. So, so in some way, forgive me, but, but I almost want to push it a wee bit. Almost want to push it a wee bit by saying like busyness is not a compliment. Busyness is not some badge to be worn to say that that you've made it to say that you're successful. The more preoccupied you are, the difficult the more difficult it is to get, to come to that place of submission and say, Lord, would you teach me? Would you teach me to pray. Eugene asked this question. A few of us were with Eugene yesterday, and he asked this question that that has continued to be in the forefront of my mind. Or do you fit prayer into your schedule? Or does your schedule fit around your prayer? Your times of prayer, your life of prayer, your times of just coming away with Jesus, do you do you fit that in when your schedule allows, when your busy schedule allows it? When you've when you've filled every, when you've done everything else that you've that you your time has has been taken up by, everything else that you've been occupied with. All of the, those other things that you do, and after all of that has been scheduled, then, then you fit in your times of prayer. Then you fit your times of just coming away and being with the Father. Or what would it be like if we got to the place where we, where we, where we scheduled our prayer, where nothing was going to shift that, and we, we built our schedules around our times of prayer? We built our schedules around the, our our prayer life, and part of me does think that that's what the disciples were asking. That's what the disciples were saying: "Lord, teach us to do that." And so, again, the questions that I'm asking myself, and the questions that I'm wanting to to keep on posing uh, in our Sunday mornings together: How are we going to lay this foundation? How are we going to lay a foundation for prayer in our lives? And I think I, I touched on it. Right back at the start of this series, when we went to Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when the invitation uh, to Peter is the same invitation I think that Jesus is offering to us, it's time to put out a little deep. It's time to go out into the deep. 
And so the more that I've reflected on that, the more that, I've, that I'm trying to, th to work this out in my own life, how, do, how am I going to lay a foundation? How am I going to lay a foundation for, for prayer in my life? I think the first step is to put out into the deep. The first step is to put out into the deep by remaining quietly in God's presence, in solitude and in silence. And in our, in our world, in our, in our lives of busyness, of being occupied and being preoccupied, this maybe seems really elusive. This maybe seems so far-fetched where you find yourself right now. But I am increasingly convinced that the first step in laying a foundation is to put out into the deep. And I, and I know I'm taking license. It doesn't tell us in the scripture. But I don't believe that they put out into the deep, fired their nets out, took the fish and came back in. I think it was a putting out into the deep. It was taking their time. It was, it was paying attention. It was remaining quiet. It was remaining still. And I think that when we're talking about laying a foundation, the first step to putting out into the deep is by remaining quiet, by remaining quiet in God's presence, in solitude and in silence. Henry Nguyen said, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life without solitude. It is virtually impossible. I don't know what you think about that. But I've been, I've been holding that thought for a long time now. It's virtually impossible to live the spiritual life without solitude. And the problem with this, the problem with, with this, is that often we want to come to the Bible. We want an application that we can that we can take with, and we can put it into practice on Monday and see if it works. See if this really works. The, the problem is, is that solitude, solitude is not something we turn on like a tap. This is not something that we decide tomorrow, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try out. I'm gonna see if this is really true. What he's saying. I'm gonna test this. And so today I'm gonna get, get to a place of solitude. And I hope that you do. I hope that you do that. But I would encourage you not to get frustrated because solitude is not something you turn on like a tap. Solitude needs a body that is slowed down. Solitude needs a mind that is, that is slowed down enough to be present, be attentive to the present moment. Solitude needs a body and a mind that is slowed down enough to be attentive to the present moment. And again, the struggle is real. This is really difficult because I think it is just contrary to our our nature, it's con it almost is contrary to our flesh. It's it 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 is going countercultural to what <laughs> to what is going on around us. So as it's contrary to our desires, and and what and the why I'm able to say the struggle is real for me is because I am constantly tempted to run away from it. I'm constantly tempted to run away from solitude and from silence. You see. I, I'm at the place over the last number of months where, I've, where I where I just um, I I can't I can't nail, I really can't I can't I really can't nail this or, and I don't know if I ever will. It's really difficult, but I've 
but I, can, I feel like I can say with increasing certainty that it is the most difficult of disciplines, but it is the most necessary of disciplines. It's the most difficult, but it's the most necessary. And the things that we are preoccupied preoccupied by in our minds, the things that are we are occupied with in our in our daily schedules, sometimes we use those outer distractions to shield ourselves from those inner voices. We use those outer distractions, we use those things that that, that we are occupied by and we get on and do them. We do we 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 allow our minds to go to the things that we are preoccupied with because in some ways I think subconsciously, but but at times I think we know what we're doing. We are wanting to avoid the inner voices and so we use those outer distractions, those outer distractions to shield us, to shield us from the interior voice, from the inner voice. And 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 last night, this was my prayer for us all. As I, as I tried to imagine being here this morning, I tried to picture who would be here and, and my prayer for all of us was that we would have we would have an encounter similar to the psalmist in Psalm 139. That as, he, that as he talked about being fearfully and wonderfully made, those verses that we love to quote, the last two verses I think are the, are, are the encounter that we all need. We need to come to that place where we can truly say, God, would you search me? God, would you search me and know me? And would you test me and would you say if there is anything offensive? If there is anything within me, anything within me that's not right, would you, would you make it right? Would you make it right and lead me in the way everlasting? And I'm longing for that encounter. I'm longing for that encounter where I can say, God, would you search me and know me? And too often I, I, too often I begin to avoid it because those things that are deepest within me those things that need addressed more than anything else, I, I use the outer distractions to silence, to, to, to prevent those things, to prevent those things that need to, to, be, to come to the surface, that need to be exposed. I'm not saying there's anything, any deep sin. I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but I think there's some stuff, there's some, there's some lies that we have been told, there's some lies that we have believed the people have spoken over us that we've allowed to remain deep within and will not expose them because of the painful memories, because of what it because of what it does when we go to that place. The Holy Spirit is longing that you would that you would allow those things to be exposed. You allow those things to be searched and known and revealed so they can root them out and lead you in the way everlasting, lead you in the way of abundance lead you in the way of true meaning and true purpose. And I think it's why Jesus said, again, going back to his, to his words in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus says, whenever you pray, go into the room, get into the room, shut the door, and pray to your Father. And what is done in secret, he'll, he's going to reward you. And that day, that room, that room that Jesus was talking about, it was an inner room. It was a room that was used for storage. It was a room that had that had one door and no windows. And I think the, the call that Jesus was making to the disciples, the call that Jesus was making to all of us, is that 
is that you would that you would find a place and that you would get away in that place and that you would that there would be no windows there would be no distractions and you would come that you would come before him and have psalm 139 verse 23 encounter with god so i'm aware that busyness means that the struggle in prayer is real i think if we're going to be really honest this morning boredom is a struggle that some of us at times face when it comes to prayer i uh, i don't know there's somebody in the room shared an article with me it was a long time ago and um, can't remember all the details in it, but it was concerning children. It was concerning uh, kids and uh, and boredom. And um, I don't think it just applies to children. As I became a really really aware last night, but the cha- I think the challenge throughout the article, like there's times where Eli, Eli's in particular, he'll he'll be. Playing with, he'd be playing with Jada, and then he'd go and play in his computer game for a while, and then there'd be two minutes, maybe even less. There could be thirty seconds where he's where he's just doing nothing, and he'll come to me and say, "Daddy, I'm so bored. There's nothing to do. Like there's toys, there's games, there's stuff, there's stuff everywhere. But it's almost like he panics. He panics after thirty seconds of of doing nothing. Thirty seconds of sitting there and 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 he's bored, that I'm bored. And the temptation is is to give him something to do. The temptation is to give him another game to play, is to give him my phone, or it's to do something to alleviate this thirty seconds of boredom that he's had to endure. And if, and if I can remember anything of that article, it was trying to say that one of the one of the things that is really healthy for a child is boredom. I'm struggling to recount most of the article, but as I as I as I was, we were watching the the small fortune, um, last night on ITV. If anybody uh, hasn't seen it before, it's good fun. Take it on. I'm not on any commission. Just just do it. seven o'clock on a Saturday night. Anyway, um, so I I just became really conscious last night that um, that every time there was an advert, the play had a game, and then there was an advert, and then a game, and an advert. But every time there was an advertisement, like the adverts lasted two minutes. Like it's one of those shows that the adverts are really, they're not, there's not many adverts. But I became so conscious last night, and I know I've probably, I do it all the time, but I became so conscious that every time there was an advert, I grabbed my phone. I grabbed my phone and I flicked through the news, I flicked through the BBC Sport, I flicked through Twitter and seeing what I missed from the last time I looked at it five minutes ago. And and this is not this is not a, this is not a uh, another one of those social media moaning sessions. It's, it's not. It's it was more about this idea of of it was just I couldn't just sit. Just became aware I just couldn't sit there for two minutes and just be with my own thoughts. Just just sit while waiting for the show to come back on. And then I started thinking about it. Started thinking about about going for, when I went out for coffee. With Judith during the week, and Judith went to get the coffee, and I was on my phone again, flicking through the news, flicking through the sport. 
Then with coffee, 20 minutes later, Juice got up, went to the went to the bathroom, and whenever she went to the bathroom, I straight away took my phone out of my pocket and flicked through my phone until Judith came back again. And just realised that just a, not only is it the kids, it's in me. Like, it's in us too. The, like, the fear of being bored for two minutes, the fear of sitting with my own thoughts, being by myself with my own thoughts for two minutes was too much for me while Judith went to get coffee and while she went to the bathroom and I had to get my phone out. I'm just so challenged by that at the minute because, I, like, I, this is like these are thoughts just stewing at the minute. Like, the, just this, it's almost like this, the lack of boredom is killing creativity. Because I think that's where that's where that's where those moments of epiphany come from. Surely, those moments of creativity, those moments of epiphany come when we're just sitting with no other distractions, with nothing else to do. But I think there's times where just fear, maybe it's fear of missing out, or I don't know what it is. But I'm just really challenged by that. And during the week, I, I, I or maybe two, it was a couple of weeks ago, a conversation with a with a lady who was telling me about her her dad, and for the last number of months he'd been in a he'd been in a in a nursing home. He wasn't well at all. Uh, but she was, she was telling the story about how she just went every day. Went every day to visit her dad. I just remember, again, just trying to rec- recall her story, just telling how she, she went and sat with him in times where he wasn't well, times where, he, times where he wasn't responsive and he just slept, but she went every day. She went every day, and part of you, there's maybe a part of you thinks, well, Sounds really boring to just to go and to sit. There's no, there's no ability for any real communication. But as I but as I listened to her talk about her relationship with her dad since he's been in the nursing home, it was like just really struck me. It really struck me that there is something that takes place below the surface that we begin to that we begin to know each other i think that, we, that something begins to happen beneath the surface when we just show up through simple presence and part of me has wondered and and again maybe i'm maybe i'm like stretching the point but part of me has wondered is prayer something similar because the truth is there's times in our prayer life that we show up and there's times if we're really honest there's t- there, there's moments where there's little excitement if you're willing to be really honest, there's times where you feel that it's that you feel bored, little excitement, showing, but you still show up. Not a pig pile of ha- pig pile happening, but there is a bond and an intimacy. I am convinced of this. There's a bond and an intimacy growing underneath the surface, and I'm convinced that's what was happening with this with this lady and her and, and her dad. That even though she showed up every day, there was days where it was just the same old thing. There was days where there was there was little excitement. There was days where I'm sure I never I never had the heart to ask her, but I'm sure there was days where it felt really boring. But there was a bond as I listened to her talk about her relationship with her dad. I think there was a bond and an intimacy that was developing beneath the surface, and ultimately that's what prayer is. Prayer is ultimately being in the presence of God. It's ultimately being transformed by the presence of God, and, and that's what the disciples were after. And that's what I'm after. 
That's what I'm after for myself. That's what I'm after for you. That we would be a people that wouldn't just gather around the songs. That we wouldn't be a people that gather around solutions. That we wouldn't just gather around needs or whatever, but we would gather around presence. We would be a people that gather around presence, that gather around his presence. So I'm, I'm touching briefly on, on busyness and boredom. Let me really quickly, give me another few minutes. Is, uh, is false feelings or false expectations, in fact, I've written down here, wrong thinking. But I'm, I'm really, really convinced of this, that we, on maybe unconsciously, but we nurse this idea that we can pray only when we are not distracted, that we can pray only when we're not angry. See, I think for many of us in the room, we have wrong thinking when it, when it comes to this. We think that God only wants to see us on our best behavior. That is, a, that is a false feeling. It is a false expectation. It is wrong thinking. And I, I'd love to, to debunk that myth right now. That we, have, we have nursed this idea that we, have, that we think that God only wants to see us on our best behavior. And the truth of the matter is that we will never, if that's, if that's the way we come before him, if that's the way we think, then we will never go beneath the surface. We can't. We can never go beneath the surface. In fact, we can never go beneath the surface with him. And if that's the way we are in our relationships with one another, which we want to address throughout this series too, then, we can, then our relationships with one another will never go beneath the surface either. If we think our friends and our family and those around us only, only want us on our best behavior, then relationships will never go beneath the surface. See, at times we, tell him what he, we don't tell him what's really going on. We don't tell him what's really going on and we tell him what we think he wants to hear. We do that with him and I think, again, I think we do it with, with, with one another and, our, and in, in the midst of that, our, I think our relationships suffer. Our relationship ultimately with him suffers and our relationships with one another suffer when we don't really say what's going on and whenever we tell God and each other what we think he wants to hear. On Wednesday night, on Thursday night, briefly mentioned that this the classic definition of prayer is lifting hearts and minds to God. Very simple, this, but it's this centuries-old definition of prayer, the lifting of hearts and minds to God. And again, I became really, really aware of this, especially in hospital. I, I, lift, I, was, lifting, I was lifting thoughts and feelings to God that were not my own. I was lifting thoughts and feelings that were not my own. There's times where I just felt, times where I just felt rubbish, times where I just felt sorry for, for myself, but if I was going to come before him in prayer, I was going to tell him what he wanted to hear. I was going to tell him what he wanted to hear. I was going to lift thoughts and feelings that were not my own. And I think there's possibly some of us that are guilty of doing that. But I think the Psalms are a perfect example of every feeling and every thought is a valid entry in prayer. Every thought and every feeling is a valid entry into prayer. And so it's, 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 at, it's at this moment that I would love, um, would love Judith just to come and, and lead us in one song. 
lead us in one song that is it's just going to finish off our, our time finish off our time together well some of those thoughts around solitude some of those thoughts around around silence and waiting some of those thoughts about about truly sitting before him with with our real thoughts and our real feelings I, just, I wanted you just to sing to be in your presence and sit at your feet I want to sing the second verse to rest in your presence, not rushing away. And I know time's getting on, but I'd love us to be in the posture of not rushing away. Not rushing away physically, but also not rushing away mentally or emotionally. Because we can do that. We can be as guilty of that, of rushing away in the physical, but we can also be guilty of that in, in the emotional and so just gonna sing, just gonna sing the song, it's gonna lead us in this. Sing it if you want, or just rest or sit with your thoughts, sit with your feelings for a moment.